and welcome to episode three in the series of These Lads Are Mental, a weekly podcast that tries to break down the stigma around mental health. On today's show, we're joined by Nick Brown, CEO of The Tier, a charity in the mental health space. As a charity, and like any charity, your, your biggest success is when you don't need to exist anymore because you're trying to solve a problem that exists that you want to go away. Um, but it's a systemic problem, right? It's a big one, and we're not going to solve it on our own. 65,000 people attempt to take their life each year. So still a huge problem, but I think we're heading in the right direction culturally around how we're, how we're talking about it and how we want to be there for each other, which is, which is good. Nick is a fantastic guy, very approachable, and it's a really enjoyable listen this week. In this episode, Nick covers a lot of ground. We speak about strategies for young people, the impact that it has talking about mental health, particularly when you're under the age of 18, and the impact it can have on you from a positive point of view for the rest of your life. We also talk about the landscape of mental health, funding, how they've been impacted by COVID and the lockdown situation, and some really amazing takeouts for not only young people, but for adults as well. We hope you enjoy the show. These Lads Are Mental recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. But before you listen to this week's show, please hear our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, Please speak to your physician or reach out for support from someone like Lifeline. Thank you. So, Gary, we're What's back. What's happening, mate? How are you? We're back, mate. I don't know how we made it this far. We're doing all right. They say three is the lucky number, right? Uh, apparently, yeah, that's, that's what they say. Podcast number three, although being Irish, it's quite difficult saying that word, as you probably know. What, what three? Three. <laughs> Uh, and me at football, obviously, or Gaffer will. You still always stay up with a four-three three, and then a few of the lads, a few of the lads, uh, with a Greek lad in the team who just absolutely <laughs> lost it, man. But it is a bit of a disability, really, because like you can't <laughs> between an actual tree, which is like has branches on it, and the number three. Like I don't know if you can tell. Can me you see it? What what's the is it the the th part that just throws you off? Yeah, we can't pronounce our THs. And then when you really try, like I've tried to bring it into my vernacular over the course of the last 10 years. When I say, I love the number three, it just sounds very peculiar. It's like I've got a list. It sounds like a sentence to me, mate. It sounds like a normal sentence. And I have to pause. I have to go, yeah, I live at 33. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm like, no, no. So it's like a punch. Just trying to do a punchline. Was that a joke? Why did he pause? And the other thing, I swear, I swear to God, since I've come to Australia, every fucking house I've lived in has had a tree in it. I lived in 33 or 37 Alfred Street in Melbourne. Then it was in Unit 10, 32 Curlewis Street. I was Unit 3, 77 Blair Street. I'm like, I was 103 Brighton Boulevard. Literally, there's been a tree in every address I've had. <laughs> bleeding curse this but, doesn't uh, make an address here mate love that well what's happening the, Chris, the crystals are back uh, you'll be oh. delighted to oh that's I, mean, I thought that I felt that in the last episode it wasn't as good mate I think that's what it was it was new crystals 
Yeah, the energy. You just I, felt, I felt the aura. Wasn't the energy? Wasn't it? But what's happened? What have you been up to in the last week? Um, coaching me a lot of coaching. Weller's been decent, mate. So I've been getting frazzled. My wee Scottish skin's been getting battered. I've got one of those alky tans, which is like neck here, and then just my t-shirt line just here. It's absolute alky tan. Oh, the builders um, tan. The builders tan, mate. I so you know, that's not bad week, mate. It's been the weather helps in it. It's been out in a just try to get out as much as possible. I go to Sydney Park, people boxing, meditating, playing football, rugby, AFL, jogging. There's like young kids, older people, people doing everything. Uh, whereas sometimes you go to like just a local park and there's, it's just me. It's a bit depressing. Oh. But for exercising, it's a good big part to go and do stuff, mate. That's pretty much it, mate. Coaching. What about yourself? I actually um, got a tattoo. <laughs> Is that a haircut? I did. I cut my Is own it's... hair actually as well, which is one thing I did do. No, well, I got a tattoo and where I'm from in, uh, you know how I like the story, but I'm from Dublin and then I'm from a suburb called Stillorgan. But then in Ireland, I don't know if it's the same in Scotland, uh, most people live in estates, like, you know, like with 300 houses or whatever. Um, 300. Yeah, which sounds dodgy, you know, I am from the estate, but um, it's just the way people live, mostly in Ireland. And... Lakelands means uh, on Loch on, which is like a lake, Osgeilga in Irish. But there's actually no lake there at all. Apparently there was one back in the old days, but I don't know whether I believe that or not. But there's these trees in the park, which is the emblem of the local soccer team. So I ended up getting, I don't know, you're, most people who listen to an audio, so you're not going to be able to see, but I got a... What got, is that? <laughs> it's the trees of, uh, I can't even, the angles are all weird. It's you're that tricep, like, mate. You're an animal. I know. Look at that. The gun show. Absolute um, guns, mate. I can't, thank God I've got a wide lens on. Unbelievable. <laughs> so I've added to my weird collection of uh, tattoos, which now is uh, I've got a clothes hanger, uh, a bike, my granddad's name, and uh, a bunch of trees. <laughs> well, you and I were chatting about how we reminisce about the past and we're, we're both a bit nostalgic. So uh, on this week's episode, we thought we'd actually... Um, focus on chocolate so we tasked each other to go away and come back up with something that means something to us or whether it's a tea or a coffee or a chocolate so what have you got for us today Gary? Well uh, I've got a wee Kit Kat junkie. Oh yeah upside down. Uh, upside down <laughs> Kit Kat. Oh, mate, it's Australia we're in Australia mate. <laughs> yeah the toilet flush is the wrong way isn't it? Uh, a wee Kit Kat junkie mate. Um, these are simple but effective, right? The reason I love Kit Kat, obviously everyone loves a Kit Kat, let's, let's be honest, but I used to go to my granny's back in Glasgow. I used to go before every Celtic game. I'm a big Celtic fan. So before every Celtic game, I'd go there with my dad and she'd always just put literally a big tin out with about 4,000. I think she was sponsored by Nestle. She had like 4,000 Kit Kats in a big <laughs> tin. <laughs> I, was just, I was about 14. I used to be about 13 of them. But it just reminds me of my grand's house who's sadly now passed. So it just reminds me of her. And then I had a different gear. Ah, that's different nice. Gear. Isn't it? It's, it's funny with chocolate. It has, it ha well, I mean, it does, you probably tell me, it releases the endorphins, is it? Or is it oxytocin? And uh, it's actually good for mood. And then, um, but it's funny how it's attached a lot to memory. Like when you say Kit Kat there, that actually reminds you of going to League of Ireland soccer games back in Ireland. When I was younger with my granddad and my dad, and there used to be these lovely old ladies outside all the grounds. And they used to say, Three chocolate bars, you know, three for a pound. Get your Kit Kat, like in the most 
Dublin accent ever. And then that was just something that always stuck in the back of my mind. You know, three key cats for a pound, you know. <laughs> well, today I've actually got another one, which is a bit of an Irish treat. Show it to the camera here, which is the snack bar. Did you have them in Glasgow? I mean, I don't, they don't ring a bell, they have snack bars. That must have been the, the, the state chocolate. <laughs> yeah, this was made in uh, flat number 16, I think, in the... Well, <laughs> this, well, this, I was going to say, this one's actually made, well, it says Birmingham, but there was a Cadbury's uh, chocolate factory in Dublin, in Kulak. And uh, in school, they go, oh, if you're good, you'll go to the, the chocolate factory. And these snack bars are just, oh, unreal. And it's one of those chocolates where it's a bit like... What's, that you... that? What's inside that? Here, let me take a bite. Um, there's a bit of biscuit. How do, you, how... do you remember a club milk? Yeah, okay. You know club milks? Do you have them? I've had a club. I don't have a club milk, guys. Yeah, like a club. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty similar to that. Uh, so biscuit and case yeah. and chocolate, but you can nibble the side of it. That's not bad. Which is what I do. Um. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that word nibble. So it's just something where that word nibble just keeps me out. Are you getting, are you getting tired of me flying? Are you dunking in your chocolate? Are you dunking your tea, sorry? Of course I have. You got to dunk. Oh. Are you, are, you a, getting tea, are you drinking tea or coffee? I'm a tea man. Barry's tea. Not yours, Gary. Barry's. Uh, Baza. Um, Barry's a terrible name, let's be honest. That's my it's brother's like, name. It's terrible, Barry. Gary's pretty shite as well, but Barry's terrible. Sorry, Baza. <laughs> oh, we've just lost. We've just lost our uh, only podcast a... listener, Barry. We're all massive in Barry's. That was our biggest. We had like 13 Instagram followers all called Barry. Sorry, Baz. <laughs> I, all fucked off. I love you, Barry. <laughs> Actually, Barry's, uh, there's a good story about Barry's tea. There's a bit of a feud back in Ireland between Barry's and Lions Tea, and Barry's brought out this campaign years ago, which was, you know, you could get the the, the box of, of tea changed to your own name. So you could get it, you know, Neil's Tea or whatever. And then of course, famously Coca-Cola robbed that idea when they did all the personalized um, cans. So Barry's Tea, head of the game, innovators in the tea world. But I'm pretty conscious of chewing this biscuit on top of my microphone, I feel it's like one of those What's those mad creepy fetishes people have got now with a chew? I know, it's, it's hard enough to understand your Scottish accent at all, never mind when you're eating a bit of chocolate. <laughs> I don't know if you can talk, Neil. Your accent's not much easier. Ah, Neil, come on. <laughs> yes, Nick. Get into him. <laughs> how are you, mate? We're good. Good, mate. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Nice to meet you. You too. You, you're in a gym somewhere. Yeah, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, mate, so this is my, my currently my office. Nice. He that. eats there, he sleeps there. I think he proposed there, and uh, maybe his firstborn child is going to come from there. As <laughs> me, uh, it's a healthy space, healthy spot to spend your days. Yeah, he's going to be called Trap Bar or uh, you know Dumbbell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, as you probably guessed, Nick, uh, we don't really take this podcast too seriously. <laughs> yeah, nice. How many have you done now? Uh, you're number three. Yeah, sweet. We're trying to get a full, a real mix of people, you know, so um, thanks for coming on today yourself as the kind of, you know, the charity representative. But we um, we did a pilot just, you know, with Gary and I chatting the breeze about why we felt it was necessary to do the podcast. And then we spoke to Rory Warnock, mm -hmm. uh, who's a breathwork specialist who you, you might know. Yeah, caught um, up with him the other day, actually. 
yeah, he's a fantastic guy and he's doing a lot of great work and the, the kind of practice or, well, he doesn't call it a practice actually. What did he call it, Gary? The training, is it? or? I think it's training. I mentioned. Training, yeah. Um, the training that he does it, it, like is actually really kind of front and mind and present right now because people are struggling a bit with all the lockdown situations. So, um, but we're going to go on to speak to psychologists next week. We have Mary from the Indigo Project. Um, and so we really want to cover the whole spectrum, you know, whether it's professionals working in the space directly or people who've suffered, sports stars, you know, you name it, we're going to go through the list. We have a, a, a former Welsh rugby player, uh, Ben Evans, who's, you know, confirmed for a few weeks time as well. So he's like a big cuddly bear. Hello, Ben. Uh, so that should be a bit of fun. <laughs> but we're just trying to make, you know, light of the situation, really. And I suppose that's why you guys came to mind, you know, a bit here because you are very, you take a very positive approach to it. So, yeah, um, nice. Yeah, it yeah, sounds like a good, good message, important message. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like it's a serious issue, but I think because it's, be, because it's a serious issue, it's been something people have been scared to talk about, which is just added to the problem. So I think, um, you know, flipping it a little bit, having a bit of fun with it and being real, um, I think is a, a really important thing. And like you said, it's, you know, part of, part of the way that we go about it as well. So I love it. I was happy to be involved. It's good. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, mate. No, we're good. Maybe we'll just, uh, so I don't know if Neil mentioned it, but we'll, every week we've been trying to do something. We just started actually, like, today we're doing chocolate. Pretty much all the little connotations that things that maybe de-stresses or we enjoy doing or always have good feelings. So Neil loves chocolate. I like chocolate. So today we brought a wee chocolate bar on. I might do whiskey. We might do packs of crisps or whatever it may be moving forward. But I brought a Kit Kat Chunky on because obviously they're a different class. My, my granny used to always give them and it always reminds me of good memories. And he was got some some crap bar from the estate in Ireland. I don't know what it is, from an ice cream van or something. What's your favourite chocolate bar, mate? I know it's random, but is there a, do you like chocolate? Yeah, I don't mind chocolate. Uh, oh. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind a Kit Kat. I've got yeah. Vegemite on toast at the moment for breakfast with a bit of um, cream cheese. <laughs> that goes all right as well. But oh, yeah. how would you tell how would you tell someone you're Australian without telling them you're Australian? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with these with these two accents, it gives it away a bit as well. Yeah, no, Kit Kat's probably my go-to. <laughs> Is this true? Actually, right. you might you might be able to quash this rumor or not. But when I came to Australia, my my first housemate, who was an Aussie from Melbourne, hello Liam, he told me that the Commonwealth Bank logo, which was the yellow square with a little bit of um, black on the corner, he said that that was inspired by toast with Vegemite on it. Is that true, or is he? <laughs> I don't know, but I'd love if that's true. <laughs> that's, a, that's just it's true, mate. That's that. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Don't ruin my dream. Sponsored dreams. by Commonwealth. That's the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Commonwealth, if you do want to sponsor the show, you're more than welcome. Please get in touch. <laughs> It'll all be factual information about Combank moving forward. Yeah, a great, a great way to invest your money. You know, they've yeah. got an app. That's just a great point. <laughs> So Nick, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on here. Um, the first thing we'd like to do with some of our uh, guests to come on the show is a little bit of a check-in. So yeah, tell us how you are. How's your week been? You know, any gossip? Any gossip? Any gossip? All right, yeah, I'll give the inside scoop. Um, no, well, thanks for having me, lads. Uh, good to good to be on the, the podcast. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, it's been a wild <laughs> couple of years, actually, but... Um, but I'm, I'm not doing too bad. I got down uh, to the water 
this morning, did a little workout, jumped in and froze. Um, but that's always a nice way to start the day. So I'm feeling pretty fresh at the moment. Nothing else swimming? Oh, I was just to sw- just to dip, just jump in, jump out. Yeah, and I didn't get a surf, oh, okay. unfortunately. Um, where, whereabouts are you, Nick, right now for the listeners? You're, you're in Sydney, right? I'm in Sydney, yeah, north shore of, of Sydney. I've moved away from you, Neil. It wasn't your fault, but um, I'm not over that side anymore. Sorry. You were in the Bondi Massive, were you? I wasn't far from there, yeah. <laughs> and you've got a bit, you're sporting a, a little bit of a COVID beard there, is it? Uh, you know, lockdown has been keeping you warm. Been working very hard at this beard, uh, and it's coming along very nicely. Thank you for noticing. Look suave, mate. Thank Look you. suave. Appreciate it. And it's interesting, you mentioned like the last few years, which is now it's getting to that point, right? Where yeah. we're like, it's not even like, oh yeah, you know, this lockdown, I've been fine. How have you been finding it even personally yourself? I suppose for Sydney, it's lockdown 2.0. For some others, let's say in Melbourne, I think it's 6.0 at this point. Yeah. How have you found this lockdown this year compared to last year? Yeah, this year has been harder for sure. Um, I think, and I mean, you know, me personally versus work, I think, I think we'll talk about the charity stuff in a bit, but um, you know, personally, I think like everyone last year was, was kind of unique. We were all kind of in it together. It was, you know, trying to innovate, do things differently. Everyone was like doing a bit. Um, we work in the mental space. You know, we felt like there was a role for us to play and everyone's really motivated. And by the end of the year, we we're pretty wrecked. This year, yeah, it's just, I think everyone feeling the pinch, tired. We've worked really hard to try and make our way through it. And so... It's a little bit more about self-preservation at this point, I think, and just kind of riding it out, which is, yeah, it's a bit different to last year for sure. And for anyone that doesn't know you, um, you're the CEO of Batir, but maybe you might just explain, you know, who Batir are, what's the work you kind of do. That would be great. Yeah, for sure. So Batir is a youth mental health charity. Um, We run uh, education programs in schools and unis to reduce the stigma around mental health and encourage help seeking we also train young people to learn how to manage their mental health every day and it's just about creating normalizing the conversation around mental health making it not something that is taboo or or something to be scared of but something we can all just sort of talk about when we need to or notice when someone around us is doing it tough and so we do that by training people to share their story train 18 to 30 year olds to learn how to share their lived experience of mental ill health and then take them to schools and unis and run sort of these high energy, fun, positive, engaging programs um, where throughout the program, there's these opportunities for these young people to share their stories. And it's just a super powerful way to have what's traditionally been a clinical or medicalized kind of conversation in just a really authentic and real way. So it's been awesome. I've been there about six and a half years and been the CEO for nearly two years now. So um, it's been an amazing, yeah, amazing organization to be a part of. And why did Batir start? Would you have to tell us like what drove it? Like what was involved in that? Was there a particular incident or a scenario that, you know, forced the, the creation of the business? Yeah. So a guy named Seb Robertson is the founder of, of Batir. We just had our 10th birthday. So about 10 years ago, he, um, he kicked, he kicked off the organization. He, he was a, a young guy from the North shore of Sydney, which is, you know, a, a relatively well-off part of the, the country. Um, he had a good family, good friends, and um, made his way after high school down to uh, university, ANU, in, uh, in, our, in our capital, in Canberra. And um, he studied finance down there and 
he was a really well-known guy, played rugby. Um, you know, he'd seen, seen him at all the parties. Uh, he, you know, was well-liked, well-known by faculty and, and students. Um, he, he was the president of the college down there. So, you know, you picture that kind of a, a person and, and the sort of charisma that someone like that would have. But he, you know, described the times that he'd go back to his dorm room um, very differently to that. He, he was going through some really dark, um, and difficult times on his own and felt like there was um, you know, not really any options available to him. Uh, and he uh, tried to take his, his life and no one knew. He, he, he thought he shouldn't be feeling like this. Um, you know, and since then, we've heard you know, so many stories that have a very similar kind of feeling that he was having, which was, no, you know, I, shouldn't be, I shouldn't be feeling like this. I've got friends, I've got family, I'm doing well, I, I, you know. Um, other people got it harder than me. I don't want to be a burden on, you know, I, all of those sorts of things that go through our heads. And um, eventually someone reached out to him and, and made him get support um, or helped him get support. Um, but at, uh, at the university he was at, he, he really struggled to access the services that were available there because um, they were near the gym and he was worried his mates at the gym were going to see him go to the counsellor. And um, he was worried about that. And then in the session, he was worried about leaving the counselling service ended up getting support off campus and started his way on, on learning how to manage his mental health and looking after himself. And he went on to work in finance for a bit at GE and, and reflected back on his story and, and felt like if someone like him just had have told him that they were going through something similar and, and looked like him and sounded like him, that he might have realised, oh, okay, well, maybe, it is, maybe there are others going through this and, and maybe there is a way I can get support. So he started sharing his story and it all, all went from there, pulled other people along on the journey and started with his one story. And we've now got a thousand people that have gone through that program. And we've, we've nearly reached 300,000 young people through our face-to-face -face programs at, at schools and unis. So pretty amazing sort of um, yeah. journey all off the back of this one person being willing to kind of speak up. Well, it's a, that's a great point because this is only episode three, but we've had the same conversation on every show from a different angle that there is power in one movement one small yeah. change no matter what that is and Seb if you're listening you know credit to you because if you hadn't have uh, you know taken those steps we wouldn't be speaking to you today Nick you know so that just shows and to hear those statistics of who the tier has reached is just phenomenal so congratulations to him and to you and all the team for all that amazing work and also one thing that came to mind there was that yeah that facade of being happy and being mm. gregarious and being fun and then not people not knowing what's really going on mm. behind closed doors. And yesterday was Are You Okay Day, which is a fantastic day in terms of raising awareness. But quite often with someone who is struggling, if you ask them on the street, how are you going? They'll normally say, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. You know, so what, like from my point of view, I think one thing that we can go a little bit further on things like Are You Okay Day is like try and push that a little bit more, you know, mm. to try and, you know, peel back the, the layers of the onion a bit more because yeah sometimes it's not as easy to come forward as you said it's funny you should say that sorry you um every time i used to answer the phone uh, my, my my business i'd answer the phone and be like i used to hate saying hi how, how are you doing because the response would always be a good thank you so then i said to when i get a uh, leon who you know i was like i'm just going to say hi how can i help you and be like hi how can i help you they'd be like good thanks you <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but people greet greetings with another greeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, yeah. How are you? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's just programmed just to say, yeah, good. As if, like, just get past this point and then we'll talk about what, what I'm actually here for. It's, it's all very uh, automatic, isn't it? The actual, are you okay yesterday? Um, the campaign yesterday was about asking, are you really okay? So they, they sort of switched it up a little bit because um, at the moment, not everyone's sort of struggling a little bit. And so uh, the answer probably um, is, yeah, we're good at the start. But yeah, we need it. We definitely need to dig a little deeper than that and just keep an eye on each other for sure. Yeah, and if you think COVID, like any scenario, even though it's been, you know, there's been a lot of negatives or bad things about it, but quite often there's positives that come from every story. And although everybody is going through, well, you know, the vast majority of us are going through hard times, be it financially, jobs and so on, which obviously is not great. Maybe what it has done has given mental health as a topic Mm. a little bit more of a platform because it was a little bit like the working from home situation, you know, two years ago, some companies who are like forward thinkers would have, you know, the working from home policy. But quite often, if you are like working from home, people would say, ah, he's just taking the piss. He's at home. He's yeah. in the gym or he's on the beach or whatever. Or he's sick again on a Monday. Yeah. And maybe it's a little bit like that with mental health that like before, you know, there's different types of, you know, mental health. And even if you think of depression, there's like circumstantial stuff. So, you know, grieving or you lose a job, you know, you might go into a period for a set, you know, amount of time. Whereas now I think everybody's had a feeling of what it really feels to have their lives greatly impacted, which hopefully has been good for mental health as a topic. Would you agree with that? Or has anything changed in the last 18 months to two years with the work you guys do at Batir? Yeah, de- definitely. I think we're, we're definitely talking about it more, which is, which is great. Um, I think we've seen a shift in what we would call public stigma in, in that, like, I think we're probably a little bit better at, being willing to ask people if they're okay and keeping an eye out for this sort of stuff and, and being aware of it. Um, I think sometimes people are still a little bit nervous to have that conversation in case someone says no and, and not everyone really knows exactly what to do. Although, you know, sometimes just listening or being there is all you really need to do. But I think where we've got a long way to go is around self-stigma. I think there's still, for those people that are struggling, I think we're better at asking, are you okay? But still really struggle to say, I'm not okay. And, and to sort of lead with that. And so that's where we're putting a lot of our attention is how do we sort of shift the internal mindset around how people feel about themselves and about mental health more broadly. So, yeah, it's been great to see that, that shift. And I think people are getting better understanding. The government's given it a little bit more attention too, which is good. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to happen on creating a system that helps not just the kind of more prevalent mental health issues, but some of the more complex ones as well. So, I think we're heading in the right direction, but a uh, long, long way to go. I mean, we've seen presentations to emergency departments for self-harm and suicidal ideation go up by 30% here in this state and up by 50% down in Victoria. Um, we, we still have 3,000 um, deaths by suicide a year here. Um, and, you know, for our population, that's really significant. And 65,000 people attempt to take their life each year. So still huge problem but i think we're heading in the right direction culturally around how we're how we're talking about it and how we want to be there for each other which is which is good uh, one thing i wanted to ask you nick regarding batia was i work with a lot of youth athletes right and probably in the last the last four months in particular with schools being and stuff like that it's the first time i've actually kids have been pretty comfortable just telling me how they how they feel yeah i've never actually seen it firsthand how damaging it's been psychologically to, to them and they've been very open with me which is good i've got that relationship but it's it's been quite 
impactful. And it's one of the reasons why I started to reach out to Neil to start this podcast was like these kids are proper struggling. So what I've been interested in from the side of thing is like I, I looked at like for instance your motto of like giving a voice to the elephant in the room, which I think is, is quality, and I see that in your logo, the elephant as well, and also the mission of um, the goal for young people to reach out for positive conversations. But what does success look like for the tier? Like how do you finish a year or the month and be like that's been successful? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because as a charity and like any charity, you, your biggest success is when you don't need to exist anymore. Um, because you're trying to solve a problem that exists that you want to go away. Um, but it's a systemic problem, right? It's a big one and we're not going to solve it on our own. So for us, um, our mission is about reaching as many young people as we can and sharing as many of these stories as we can. We have some measurements around um, attitudes towards help seeking and reductions in stigma um, and, and those sorts of things that we, we track and measure. And so we want to see that our programs are maintaining some of those metrics. Um, but more broadly, we just want to make sure our vision is that all young people are able to have positive conversations around mental health and access support when they need it. And so if we see a world where everyone just feels like they can put their hand up and go, oh, I'm struggling at the moment, and then have a real easy pathway to get support for that, um, whether that's doing it themselves, you know, we we're talking about breath work before, or meditation, mindfulness, um, there's lots of um, strategies that might be something they can do themselves or it might be reaching out to someone having conversation or getting professional support. So that's the world we want to see. And I think, um, I think we can get there. Uh, might just take a little bit longer. What would that look like to you, Nick? Cause you know, there's the black dog Institute, there's beyond blue, there's many charities now. Do you think that's part good and part bad in terms of like, there is so many institutions and bodies working themselves. Like, would you see it as, you know, charities combining to one place in the future where it's all part of the one system or, Yes, I think when it comes to accessing support for services, we need to streamline a lot of that. So, and I know some of those national organisations are working on that. So Lifeline, Beyond Blue, uh, those sorts of charities are trying to work out how there can be one place to go and then you sort of get triaged to the different options available based on your needs. So I think coming together in that way is really important. But at the same time, all of those organisations have very different strengths and very different focuses. And so, you know, we go into schools and we work with young people. Beyond Blue don't really do that, but they have great resources and support services online and, and through phone now. Black Dog are a great research body, huge amount of evidence behind the work they're doing. They're going to sort of change the way that we understand how to support people with mental health issues. So mm. I think all coming together in some ways is a good idea in other ways it, it sort of dilutes what what you what you're great at but it is complicated and you know for mm. us there's a lot of organizations that work in schools and so we're trying to work with them on how to make that a bit of an easier process for schools because it can be a bit complicated so a bit of both i'd say yeah maybe some point in the future there might be a un where all the charities come yeah. together into <laughs> one you know headquarters well you mentioned batir and working with the youth which is a fascinating um angle of it but if you could maybe explain why, why, why do you work specifically with the youth? What's the impact there versus, you know, everyday Australians? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a, it's a problem that we all face. So it's not about, this is just a young person's problem, but a couple of reasons. One is about 75% of mental health issues present before the age of 25. So we, we know that working with young people and developing these skills on how to manage your mental health and how to identify signs and symptoms of mental ill health and things is really critical to catch early. Because if you develop good 
strategies and you develop good um, techniques and tools in managing that, then um, you can tackle it early and sort of, you know, get on top of it for most people. That's, that's really critical, but it is a really significant issue for young people as well. So suicide's the leading cause of death for 15 to 44 year olds. There's nothing else that takes more lives than suicide in that demographic. And so it is, you know, for me, I feel like it's one of the biggest social issues we're trying to face for young people. Um, and so, you know, that, that getting early and, um, and tackling a group that's really struggling is really important. You know, adolescence is a time of change and transition, you know, between primary school and high, high school to university or, or off into the workforce or whatever. There's big transition times, moving out of home, um, finding new friends. So I think it's, um, it can be a bit of a tumultuous time. I think that feeds into it as well. I just wanted to ask, is there some sort of common themes that you see with younger, uh, younger people of like the common things that they seem to all have the same, like common thing for older people might be the workplace work stressing them out and it's sort of getting to them. Is there anything common with the younger ones? Yeah, I mean, there's similar, you know, similar things around pressure and stress. Um, I think we don't do the best job at kind of helping young people just enjoy the early stages of their life. I think they feel like the rest of their life depends on those, you know, few years in high school, which um, I don't think uh, helps. But anxiety and depression are some of the, the most common um, mental health issues for that for that demographic but that that's kind of true throughout the lifespan so um, yeah I, I think I think the ability to respond to life's challenges when you haven't had to before um, is part of the issue too it's the first time you're trying to face some of the some of the things that you haven't had to in the past um, whereas I think as as you know as people get a bit older um, they're able to develop some of those skills and techniques but like I said it's a wild um what about social status? Is that is that a big thing for the youth? You know, if you think, of, let's say, our generation wasn't really as much of a like. I mean, everyone wants to be the cool kid kind of thing. That's probably uh, transitions through most generations. But in terms of social media, looking at stars, you know, like haircuts, like, do you think that's one of the kind of issues that's brought on a lot of that, you know, emotional discomfort in under eighteen year olds? Yeah, I think technology plays a, a role. We, we you know we talk a lot about the positive role that social media and technology can play in people's lives if you use it in the right way but it definitely has had an, a negative impact um mm. you know around uh things like eating disorders um bullying the fact that people can't young people can't escape um for any period of time it's con they're constantly switched on because they're constantly you know on online i mean that's you know stereotyping but um social media and devices are a part of young people's life now it's not like it's not like an attachment like a separate thing it's just a part of who they are and so um you know to be scrolling online late at night and um if you're being bullied at school and you're still being bullied at home you just can't escape it so that's been a really big problem um and you know something we talk about healthy habits around using using technology and I was going to ask, like, yeah, do you guys provide any advice, particularly even to parents, you know, on how to deal with like their son or daughter being bullied? So the amount of time you spend on, on social media and stuff is, is one thing that we talk about. The thing that I would say, though, is teenagers aren't great at doing what they're asked. <laughs> so sometimes I think parents think the best thing to do is take the device, you know, at seven o'clock, can't use it. It may work, but it doesn't, I don't think you necessarily learn anything from that so i think it's about conversations around conversations around why why that that could be helpful and then also modeling 
we actually, um, there's some research that came out recently that says that parents actually spend more time overnight on their phone than their children. And so I think uh, modeling laugh is- laughing, Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> what are they? What are they doing? Are they trying to do TikTok videos? Or... <laughs> yeah, no. They're scrolling through Facebook and. <laughs> Check out, mate. They're looking at your, looking at your Instagram, mate. You're the hero. Thanks, yeah. like, sorry. Okay. Well, I mean that that's definitely true. No, no, those, no, no. Sure. It's, it's it's they're they're filming themselves cooking. Lockdown makes us do crazy things, you know, alter egos uh, of different genders, but that's okay. You know, we oh, live in an acceptable world. But I think that is true for adults as well, right? Because Gary and I spoke about this before about, you know, you think you're doing great and, and like so many things going well in your life, like this Seb scenario that you mentioned. And then you go on, you're in bed maybe, and you just flick into your Instagram, and then you see someone's got a new car or something. And you're like, that fucking, oh, that wanker's got the car. And then you get this little, you know, like little kind of <laughs> Mate, shock. fucking hell. But you know what I mean? Like um, you're comparing yourself to, to others around you constantly. And that's a big issue. <clears throat> totally. You know, there's, there's the, the concept of brain plasticity where we actually can train negative pathways um, within our brain to con- constantly be comparing and constantly be having negative thoughts around who we are and our bodies. And, and so there are some important strategies around, you know, the good thing about plasticity is that you can retrain some of that stuff. And so, you know, we talk about gratitude journaling and, um, and you know, therapies like CP, CBT, where you can let sort of, where you sort of train yourself to let thoughts come and go. So like there are lots of strategies to, to work through some of that stuff, but it's been in our face all the time, has been in advertising forever, but at the moment, Mm. you know, you don't escape advertising anymore. It's constantly being thrown at you on your phones, on telly, when you walk down the street. So it's a challenge, but it's um, it's something we've got to live with. It's not going away. And CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, What are some strategies, mate? You mentioned strategies, like obviously the strategy you guys use, you don't even go as much detail as you like, but, what are some strategies for younger kids in particular? I mean, any age level, just teenagers or even younger. What are things that you'd recommend? I'm sure maybe the yeah, third so, person that they could recommend. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I can see you're in the, the gym, Gary. Um, yep. Exercise is super important one, a great one. Um, so it, I guess it depends on like what severity of your mental illness. So on the mild end, you know, feeling anxious or stressed or pressure, uh, or, or feeling a bit down, exercise can be like a natural a natural high, uh, which is which is really great. Um, routine at the moment is really critical uh, to sort of take some control over your day and how you're spending your time. Healthy diet, sleep, like all these sort of classic things are more important than we give credit to. And um, one culprit that my food intake's not great, my sleep's not great. So two areas for me to work on. Um, Thank you, mate. <laughs> yeah, think, yeah, it's not great. Um, uh, things like mindfulness, um, and not necessarily having to be like kumbaya kind of not that that's bad, <laughs> but <laughs> we've just lost a few more listeners. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I love that, I love that, but uh, it doesn't have to be that complicated, you know, like the Headspace app or the Calm app, the Smiling Mind app that just sort of take walk you through a self guided mindfulness session just helps us stop and slow down like we're so fast paced constantly thinking constantly like being activated and i think just that slowing down is really important going for a walk hanging out with your dog like spending time connecting with friends and family it 
all sound super simple, but they're all things that really easily slowly just slip away. And especially if you're feeling down, you drop off all of those things. And so as you start to get, if it is a bit more severe, then, you know, professional support will talk you through some strategies, more, yeah, more formal strategies around things you can do to manage depression, anxiety, and other, other more complex mental health issues like CBT. It's interesting you mentioned exercise, mate, because a lot of players I'll get here, say, usually 12 to 18 who come in for your footballers and their parents obviously have got ambitions and the kids get ambitions as well. And it's all about, like, I want to get faster, stronger, more explosive, blah, blah, blah. But, like, these kids, some kids are 12 or 13 years old. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like, like they're probably gro- they're going through a growth spot. They're probably scared to take their T-shirt off, maybe in PE class. They've got all those growing. If I can get them feeling strong, that, that, that value of that is worth its weight in gold. And you know yourself, things like push-ups and chin-ups are very easy to measure. It's like, I've done six yesterday and I've done eight like, next week. And you start to get that growth mindset from how it's going. And it's funny because I'll get a kid in here right, for this first session and the next people come in and I'm like, oh, how are you feeling, mate? What's happening? How are you doing? I'm like, joking. Oh, you look massive, mate. Even at the gym, like joking with them. They start, they've got this little swagger about them. And then they're like, yeah, I felt so much stronger on the ball at the weekend. Like, like they had one session gym. But like, that is worth its weight. Obviously, it's not, it's not actually happening. But you know what? it's almost a placebo that it's so powerful that they're stepping on that pitch feeling, I've done something. I feel amazing. And they yeah. feel like they're, they're getting ahead and progressing. And I think it's the gateway to a growth mindset. And I try and tell that to... Everyone I speak to, I'm like, just, I'm not saying your kid's going to be a professional athlete or anything of the sort, but these are habits, like you said, simple habits that are forming for the rest of their life. And psychologically, it's where the biggest benefit's going to come from. So I want to feel, and you, you know, Sully knows how much benefit comes from not just exercising, but the progression of exercise of improving from last year. Massive. So much positive. Yeah, I, I kind of mentioned that dopamine hit or whatever, but, or endorphins, but, but yeah, there's so many benefits to it. The confidence you can get out of it, the community that's there, like you hanging out with your friends, but yeah, confidence that you build, like, yeah, there's, there's a huge amount to it. And I think we also have to be careful with exercise as well, though. You know, if you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh, I need yep. a little bit more muscle on that shoulder, <laughs> like, you know, you can go down a slippery slope that way too. So, I mean, it's all just about, Balance, really, balancing it out and and just like you talked about growth mindset it's about trying to positively focus on this stuff you know when we talk about food we talk about sometimes food rather than bad or good food because again it's like you start you can sort of go down a road of being like i'm only eating good food and then you can you know you start to develop some some challenges around that rather than it just being about balance and about kind of enjoying life and enjoying what life has to bring without being too, too hard on yourself or too tight on stuff. Yeah. We we've spoken about that and Nick already on the show about the, you know, the yin and yang, the sympathetic and parasympathetic, like the, you know, the opposites to each other. Like you need that little bit of balance and we've spoken about the burger and like, sometimes you need to just have a burger and that's okay too. And, yeah. and, but like one of the, one of the things Gary, you mentioned with the youth, probably one of the good things about the next generation is, hopefully they well they do respond i think better to like words of affirmation and um, versus like i remember growing up you know it was like the the hard knock school of like you know yeah. you must do better that's not good enough go harder and go harder which you know not to say like there's everything is wrong around that situation either but and then drawing back i suppose to but here with under 18s like it is kind of encouraging to hear and that statistic that you mentioned that it's kind of alarming, but also in a good way and particularly reinforces the work that you guys are doing. Like if 75% of mental health conditions are manifesting before the age of 18, 
it's fucking so important that we are out there speaking to the next gen kids because they're the ones that are going to be living their lives, right? I know it's, we probably can't measure right now, but do you think in 15, 20 years time, we're just going to have a far more emotionally aware and open society? Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? Like, I think, I think to your point about, you know, manning up as well, you know, like, which, which I got growing up too. And I think, like you said, that, that's sometimes important, right? Like, you just need to get up, get at it. Like, that starting sometimes is, is the right approach. But everyone's different. We're not all the same. And so sometimes that doesn't work. And sometimes that's not the right advice. And I think we've just got to be a bit better at playing the person rather than assuming large concepts just work for everyone just because we're a man or woman or whatever. And so I think, yeah, I, I think the way that we're talking about individuality is, is, you know, really important. How we're accepting of different people and, and individuals, I think is a really good direction. All will help all will help where we need to get to because you know a lot of the more minority groups like are, are higher risk so if you you know the lgbtiqa plus group um community they're much higher risk around mental health issues and, and suicide we know regional rural young people are much have twice as likely to die by suicide than in metro areas similar to with aboriginal indigenous young people so uh, i think the more we kind of just come together as a community, accept people and support people, the better, the better and healthier we'll be because people will feel less alone, less separated from society. And, and I think we've all seen kind of some good progress in that on the most part. And, and thinking of the landscape, as you've kind of delved into a little bit there, like obviously COVID has probably impacted that a lot, but can you give us a bit of an insight into funding, working through the government, how you guys can operate? Like, has that been really challenged over the last few years? Because now a lot of businesses have been impacted. How's that affected you? And has it affected you rolling out your services to some of those marginal groups as well? Yeah, it has, which has been really hard. Hard hard because it's, you know, it, if I'm honest with you, it's stressful. <laughs> it's stressful to be trying to run an organization and support the team and support the work that we do and know that, you know, we're kind of just trying to make it through month by month financially. So yeah, fundraisers have been really difficult. We can't run our normal fundraising events, which are a big part of how we, how we operate. Uh, we can't do, we have a, like a fee for service model where um, schools and uni universities will pay a, a little bit and we subsidize the rest through other sources of giving. So that's kind of slowed up a lot. And, and we haven't really gotten as much support from government as would be helpful. So all of those things, you know, make it, make it really hard. But we have a diverse kind of funding stream. We've got amazing, generous donors. We've got people still trying to run online events for us. We've got philanthropists and some corporate support. And we do have a little bit of government funding. So it's, um, we're chipping along okay. It's just... It's difficult when we're in a time when we're needed more than ever and we're kind of having to wind back rather than ramp up. So it's, it's frustrating kind of on that front as well. We've had to, you know, reduce some hours for the, on the, with the team and all of that kind of thing that everyone's doing to try and make their way through. But yeah, it's been tough. Well, hopefully, uh, if, if, if Scott Morrison is listening, you know. It just follows on Instagram last night, mate, DM'd you. Good, good. <laughs> Put in a good word for us. I will. <laughs> um, but mate, and one one thing I think from every podcast that we do is uh, anyone listening, whatever age, I'd always like them to leave you some sort of practical advice. To whatever, obviously, the main practical thing from this would be 
if they know someone or have someone in their life who's a young person experienced this situation, either get in touch with yourselves and you can explain that uh, soon on how to do that. But in terms of at home or at school or et cetera, et cetera, what are some like, low-hanging fruits that people could do very yeah. easily that you've seen are really powerful? Yeah, so, I mean, I mentioned some of the, the strategies, but some of those things, it's kind of hard to know where to start. Like, you know, you start exercising, you're like, well, you know, that means something different for everyone or mindfulness, yeah. you know, down, download the app might be the first step. But like, you know, how do I start? So maybe my advice or like takeaway thought would be around, it was mentioned before, like this idea of micro moves create macro change. And I think that's true for this problem as an issue, but it's true for like our everyday lives. So there's also an, an idea around toward moves and away moves. And when I've been in really low times, the thing that's helped me the most is like, if you're laying in bed and you're like, I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like getting up and doing the day. You know, I don't want to go to work and I don't want to exercise and whatever else. I'm feeling really flat. A toward move might be to just get up and have a shower. That's all you think about. Like, I'm just going to get up and have a shower. But an away move might be to roll over and go back to sleep. Or it may be that, maybe that you do need to sleep and that's fine too. But I think it's about like thinking through what decision do I need to make here? That's just a little toward move, a little micro change that just takes me a little bit in the right direction. And sometimes that can create momentum and get us on our way to some of that macro change that we want to see. So, I mean, you'd, you'd speak about it a lot, Gary, about progressive or, or, or progressing through um, exercise and, and through your weights. You don't pick up a, a bench press and, and smash out 200 kilos straight away. You start with the bar, you put on five kilos, you work up to 10 and you make your way up. And I think that's the case for kind of all, all of our lives in everything that we do. Just chip away at it. Don't be so hard on yourself. You'll get there. Just work on those little micro changes, those toward moves in those little make moments, make those little decisions that you know will just take you one tiny little step in the right direction. I think Nick must yeah. have seen our, our Instagram, Gary, did he? Because we have one of our quotes, don't be so hard on yourself. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> No, we, we, uh, I always say to that, or I often say to kids, is like a little, a little, a lot's better, a lot, a little. Yeah. It's basically just doing a little bit often is going to be more, far more beneficial to you than try to do like one big mindfulness session or one big transformational exercise session in that one day, or same as consistency beats intensity. These yeah. like phrases, but there's so many of these phrases because they are so simple and it's the same message like success leaves clues, or these are the same things that are getting said all the time because that's what that's what creates change, like you said. Yeah. I think that is super important. But again, the difficulty, I think, with that, and my, my experience with that age level is, and you know yourself, being at that age, is it can easily go one in one ear and out the other. Because yeah. it's, it's like, oh, mate, just got up and have a show. Aye, no worries, mate. TikTok video, here we go. Like, yeah. like I'll go all the, watch the football highlights or whatever it may be. It's so easy just to jump on a PlayStation, do whatever, rather than be like, okay, I need to take that positive change. That's, That's where right. I see an obstacle. That's why me. you need good, good people around you, right? Like, your, your yeah. mates are going to be the biggest influencers on your life for sure you know they say you're, you're the average of the the five closest people you spend time with and i think that's so true and i think you know part of our model is having young people speak to young people because they you know they i don't know how to speak to young people anymore but they know like they know what's going on and and they have the conversation and they can be real and authentic and it means something whereas if we are always coming in just saying you know you need to look after yourself and like do this and do that like, <laughs> You know, they don't give shit about yeah. that. No so bother, mate. Thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. no worries. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. 
but it was funny I, there was yesterday i went in to see my cairo and her son she was saying obviously this is working nick because i think he's like eight or nine years of age and he was really sad and she, you know she was like oh you know how is everything okay and he said yeah i'm okay i'm just i'm just feeling a bit sad today you know because and i think he, he mentioned something and she was like wow isn't that amazing that she has a young son who's able to tell her that he's just feeling sad today and it's just he's just not having a fun day and you know thinking of that progression versus to let's say us as kids like we wouldn't have said that imagine your mom going you're all right you're like fuck off mom you know like you you, <laughs> you wouldn't say it yeah you know? no. and if we did if we did a parent would say we'll go outside and play get my seat get my seat here's the game boy you know just you know back up and like (laughs) would you have any advice for parents and um i've got a follow-up question to this but like is there any signs like you know with their son or daughter like around maybe that they might be struggling with something it's it's an anxious time for parents at the moment they're seeing in schools and and people's friends and stuff that that people are young people are really struggling so the first thing i would say is like look after yourself too and there's only so much you can do as a parent and, and as a person to like support the people that you love. And the best thing you can do is, you know, put your own oxygen mask on. Um, but in terms of signs and symptoms, it's hard in, in adolescence because they change quite quickly. But one of the things that we would say is if you notice a significant change in, in behavior or attitude over an extended period of time, so maybe two weeks, if, if they're normally like quite a sociable, outgoing person and then they're, you know, they're sort of isolating in the room for a couple of weeks or vice versa, they're normally isolating in the room and now they're kind of like out just like huge amount of energy, like just going wild or even, you know, not that dramatic, then that's worth kind of just having a conversation with them about because, because that's sort of a shift. And that's not like a one-off. It's not unusual for a young person to tell their parents to F off or whatever. But you know, if it's if it's if it's ongoing, that's a bit of a concern. So that'd be something to keep keep an eye on. But we'd all one of the things that we've heard in young people's stories, and this is this is always my encouragement to encouragement to parents because I don't think they realise the best thing that they can do is just be there. And there's sometimes not much more you can do that. Be there, be there by their side, and and help them just make their way through the period because it will end. It's not always the case, but you know it. It is for majority. And so a lot of people's stories, we did this, we did a research project recently and we looked at a hundred stories to try and find, identify themes in protective factors for young people that have navigated mental ill health. Something like 97% of them had what they called an, what we dubbed an anchor person. So someone in their life through the real troughs, real lows, through the ups and downs, there was someone there just consistent with them that was an anchor. That was just the rock that they could hold on to through the ups and downs. And that anchor, no doubt, for most of them, wouldn't have felt like they were doing anything, wouldn't have felt like they were adding any value in those moments. But when they get through it and they look back and they go, that was the thing, you know, it was a consistent person that I could, that was, I knew was there, even though I didn't want to talk to them, even though I didn't want to, you know, didn't told them I didn't want them to be there it was them being there. And so my encouragement often for parents is just be that anchor person, be that consistent person. It's hard, but, um, but hang in there because things, things change. Mm -hmm. That's a brilliant bit of advice. I think to anyone, um, especially parents. And I think, yeah, quite often I was going to say giving parents advice, even though 
we're not parents, but yeah. <laughs> I can imagine as a parent, um, <laughs> you would want to just try and solve that problem for your children. You probably think you're doing a lot of good, but as you were saying, quite often the best thing to do is just to listen. And I think that anchor analogy is a brilliant way of putting that into action, you know? it's And it's relevant for all of us, right? Like w- whether it's for our parents or it's our colleagues or our friends or our spouse like it it doesn't matter we can be we can be that person for the people in our lives and i think it's one of the best things that we can we can do people always call me or text me and say like i'm really worried about my friend and like i'm doing this and i'm doing that i don't know what else to do like Mm -hmm. i'm not doing enough and i'm like you probably are like at this point that's probably all you can do be there be a great friend tell them you love them tell them they'll get through like encourage them to get up and exercise, like encourage them and be there with them. But if they don't feel like it, just lay next to them. You know what I mean? Like that's all we can do sometimes. Yeah. And I think hopefully relieves the pressure for some people because it can be a really anxious time when you're really worried about people you love. Well, it was good that we got our little uh, 10 minute re- uh, reminder <laughs> for your next meeting. Hopefully it's a funding meeting with Scott Morrison, but um, <laughs> just to kind of finish on a, on a few points. Um, the statistics is one thing that draws has driven us to you guys before you've got some amazing stats that put mental health into very um, palatable language, you know, can you just like bring us through like, let's say not just with the youth now, but in our everyday Australians, like how many people are being impacted? I know you've done some great research about those who speak out about it versus those who don't. Could you give us a bit of a, a macro view of where we're at currently? Yeah, so I mean, um, mental ill health affects one in four um, Australians and 50% of us in our lifetime. Uh, So, you know, pretty much most of us. We're either dealing with stuff at some point or someone we know is. But we we also know that only 30% of people access support that need to. So there's a huge amount of people that are struggling, just dealing with it on their own, not speaking about it, not reaching out for, for, for help. And so... That's the critical thing that I think we need to change. We know that there are, we've talked about a lot of the proven strategies that can help people navigate this stuff. And so, but they need to access it. They need to have access to it. And so there's some big stuff that needs to happen at a systems level, but there's stuff that we can do every day um, to help shift that. And, And I think that's a big part of what we need to do. And again, I think with that statistic, what that kind of drills home for me is for anyone that's listening is that you are not alone. Almost everyone is facing some form of this, at, you know, at some scale. So if you are listening, you are not alone. And there's somebody next to you who's may not have been open about it either, but is struggling with something as well. And there's kind of unity in that, in the sense that like we can help each other to kind of hopefully bring that number down. And particularly that 30% number that you mentioned there, hopefully we'll get that down to 0%. And we joke about it that sometime in the future, you might be having your coffee and you might just say to someone, yeah, you know, I struggle, I get anxiety or whatever. And then someone else might say, well, I'm gluten-free, you know, hopefully they'll be (laughs) on the same level. Yeah, that'd be good. Now there's a, Two last points, I suppose, Gary, we have the quick fire questions. And then we'd also love to just maybe ask you, you know, for anyone that's listening, Nick, how can they get involved with it here? If they've liked what they've heard today, can you donate? Can you volunteer? Like, what are the ways people can actually get involved? I mean, follow us on Instagram, jump on our website, tier.com.au. It's B-A-T-Y-R for those that uh, don't know. it's yeah, And it's a small B, isn't it? And can you explain the name as well for anyone? <laughs> it is a small B. The branding team tell me that that's 
you know, about being a much more welcoming and um, an attractive brand for young people having a small B rather than a big, scary capital B, but I'll take the word for it. Yeah, the Batir was the name of an elephant in Kazakhstan that could speak a number of phrases in Russian. And so we're about giving a voice to the elephant in the room. And so Batir, the elephant, was the inspiration for, for Batir. So, yeah, that's where, it, that's where it comes from. So it wasn't Borat's elephant, was it? <laughs> that was the big B, was it? <laughs> I think it was actually an Indian elephant in Kazakhstan. So wow. I don't know if Borat, Borat got to meet Batir or not, but it would be a good meeting. I mean, we've just solved an advertising campaign for you right there, you know. Borat on an elephant, brilliant. That's good, actually. I'll look into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mate, I know you're again conscious of time. You've only got a few minutes before your next meeting. Uh, we've got just three quick fire questions, 30 seconds, just to see. I'm not a quick thinker. Think. I, I did see that this was happening, so I'll see how I go. That's super simple, mate. You'll, be, you'll, be, you'll smash okay, it. Good, thanks. Uh, 1 to 10, uh, where do you think we are currently as, as a world uh, on mental health? 10 being super positive, 1 being the lower end. Where are, where are we generally? in where we need Gen- to be. yeah oh man when you look globally it's a big it's a big problem people still can't get things like a marriage license if they've been diagnosed with a mental health issue like there's some serious things globally maybe a six and versus australia and, like is australia ahead of that yeah i'd maybe i'd give australia seven and a half go on australia come on yeah <laughs> I got sales. and you man i'm but that veggie mate mate unbelievable positivity coming from it <laughs> What about you at next? So where are you on an average day out of 10, personally? Uh, maybe a seven and a half lately. It's been a... Typical Aussie. Bog standard Aussie. Seven and, <laughs> and a half. Five, <laughs> wouldn't it? Half of the course. Uh, and last one, mate, if there was one thing that you would recommend people can do each day that would be the biggest bang for their buck for mental health, what would it be? Exercise. Exercise, superb. Yeah. Nothing too hectic. Like, no need to turn up to the gym. Just get outside. Go for a stroll. No ultra marathons or triathlons. Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you can. You can if you're up to it. <laughs> I'm not. It was, mate, like, like, there's a lot of things, mate, just amazing. Like, some of the stats, you've just, I'm going to definitely be listening to that. Some of the stats are like, they're hard hitting some of them. It's scary, to be honest with you. It's scary, but it's also exciting that hopefully we can make a positive impact. And it made absolutely phenomenal work you guys are doing. Like I'm so invested in the youth as well as work I do, but the stuff you do is amazing. I think it cannot be, it's so understated. And the, the fact that you don't get funding is baffles me and actually worries me. The genuinely like that is insane. You're not getting funding. Insane. Well, same, so same thanks to you. Time, thanks, for, thanks for doing thanks for doing this. I think you know, making this stuff accessible and and just feel a bit more real to people is uh, critical. So you'll you'll have great impact through. Um, pushing this out as well so there's no we can do anything to help we will and you know what nick i i went to a talk as part of vivid a couple of years ago and there was a guy from ikea who's headed design and somebody asked a question from the crowd saying i did a semester over in sweden you know or whatever and it was like oh i couldn't get over how clean and green the whole country was everyone recycled kids grandparents and he's like how did you do it and his answer is like it was simple we educated the children on how to do it. And then the children, he said, what, he, what they didn't know was the children went back and re-educated their parents about recycling. And within literally one generation, the problem was eradicated. So if that's anything to live by, 
it's a credit to what you guys are doing with you know the youth and hopefully that has the same effect when it comes to mental health awareness love it mate i love it i think it will i think we will i think we're getting there brilliant Good all right well, Good help, thank you very much thanks fellas Good to chat. Thanks, yeah. Nick. See you, Nick. Good, okay, Thanks bye. very much. Have a good bye. day, mate. It was good, mate. I like actually. Nick, Nick covered a lot of like it was a lot of very digestible short stuff that he got in. He was fun, you know. There's just so many things that you think they're not just interesting. That is fucking. That's that's just the hard hitting thing. Like that is fucking insane. Even that marriage license thing. That's fucking insane, man. I know. I knew I knew some of those stats before, but like um, even just hearing them again, like the whole thing of like one in four suffer and then half half of us will do in our whole life like it's and then the kill like it was suicide and how it's the biggest killer between the age of what do you say 18 and 45 i i see there's nothing else it doesn't that's fucking yeah oh my god man and then the, the kids one is just and yeah. the stuff with the kids is just fucking insane man it just and the fact that they don't get funding and it's having to cut people's hours during a time like everyone's having more suicides than ever that is disgusting man i know i know it's it's mental isn't it well, look, I'll, I'll let you go. Good job. That was a great one. Really enjoyed that. So, catch you later. All right. Day. See you. Ta Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lads Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Bits Here, and the Black Dog Institute.